while you were singing that and that I was thinking, you know, when we're there on our deathbeds, if God doesn't take us quickly, I always said to my wife, I said, if I have a heart attack, I hope it's the big one. Take me quick instead of having to go through uh, the things of the hospital. But I was thinking, Brother Gower, as you were singing that, that I'd say on my deathbed, I says, tell Brother Gower, I'm hearing the wedding music. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I hope you know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You say, how can you talk about death like that? Well, I'm telling you, when you know where you're going, you're not afraid of the destination. If you don't know where you're going, then you got a lot to fear. And there's a lot of fear in death. Well, I thank the Lord for the music we've heard this morning. I've been blessed. As um, Sarah prayed, I, I jokingly said to myself, I wonder how he knows about all that stuff about playing the violin at four years of age. But, well, that's his daughter playing. That's why. And, uh, and then I said to Drew, I said, you know, that music is calming. It's refreshing. And uh, getting into our message today, that's the kind of music we need today. I'm afraid that a lot of our music today stirs our soul in the wrong direction and causes anxiety rather than a calmness. And so music has a way to calm our souls, and thank the Lord for that. Well, we had a wonderful vision banquet on Friday night. Wasn't it a blessing? If you were not able to be there, we do have the programs on the Welcome Center, and you can pick one up. It talks about the various things that we talked about. I was hoping that we were going to get a uh, DVD of it as we tried to record it, but I understand we did not get the, uh, the audio on that. Is that correct? Uh, we, at least at this point, we don't think we have. But uh, uh, if you can read lips, we'll give you a free DVD, all right? <laughs> but it was a wonderful, wonderful program, and it was just so amazing to hear in these last three years since we've taken on this building project, multi-million dollar building project, what's been done for missions, what's been done for widows, what's been done for the poor, What's been done for college kids going to Bible college and those types of things? And what's been done in this church for the building project and all those types of things? What a blessing and to reflect and to share not only what God has done, but what we believe God is going to be continued to do in our lives as we go forward by faith. Now, we passed out a, uh, a card or they were at the tables and we've put them here on the front that if you've took one home with you, fill it out, drop it in here, or maybe you drop it in the offering plate or bring it back tonight and drop it in. But if you would fill it out, now maybe you didn't bring it this morning or you'd like to see what's on this card, just raise your hand as the ushers come and they'll pass that out and you can look at it. And truly, we, we stop and we ponder at this time of year especially, what does God want in my life? So if you were there or not there, uh, you'd like one of these cards, just lift your hands and we'll get those out. And I, I, I encourage you, I, I like to stop. And I don't like to just do things accidentally. I like to be determined in what I do. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to build my life? What do you want me to do with the resources of my life? What do you want me to do with my time, my prayers? And uh, God lays on our hearts those things that we need to better ourselves. And so there are various things on that, including the Peru mission trip that they're going to be taking in January and things like that. So if you would, look that over and pray about it, and then you can drop it in at the conclusion of the service or uh, tonight. And I encourage you to, to just do what God wants you to do. Amen. We, can, we are to be a Spirit-led church. A Spirit-led church. And I'm afraid that sometimes... Uh, we like someone telling us what to do, or maybe sometimes we don't like someone telling us what to do. I have come to the terms that when God tells me something to do, I want to say yes. There's a song that we sing, yes, Lord, yes. Let that always be my answer. And so be sensitive. Let God work. Will you ever regret saying yes to God? I'm so glad I said yes to invite him into my heart to be my Savior. Forty-five years ago. In 36 years, I've been able to preach God's words. Coming on 37 years, Brother Larry, that's hard to imagine. God has been so good. Well, 
Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Now, last year, I spoke, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of six times on stewardship. Usually, we just preach through the month of November on stewardship. And that's giving and living our lives in God's control of our lives. And and, uh, not that just November is that time to ponder it. It ought to be every day of our life. Every day I get up. And in my prayer journal, it says there, what do you want me to do? Order my steps today. Order my words. Order my actions. Order my, help me, Father, to know what to do and give us wisdom in the direction of life. That's actually the very first thing on that card. Give me wisdom to my personal life. Give wisdom to the team that's uh, at uh, the leadership at Westside Baptist Church. Those types of things. So, uh, uh, as we get into it, it's very, very important. Well, this year, we're only going to do it two Sundays. Last Sunday and then this Sunday. And I think we can get it. I hope we get it. If we don't get it in two Sundays, we probably won't get it. How's that sound? We've got to get it. Got to get it. Uh, this morning, I... Uh, well, last week. Do you remember the title of the message last week? Moths, mice... And mud diggers. You say, that was the title? I, you know, I came up with that title so you'd at least remember the title. <laughs> and by the way, that sounds like devourers, doesn't it? Sounds like devourers. Having our treasures here, they're devoured. Sometimes through foolish living, sometimes through foolish choices. Sometimes, just as a part of life, as sin is a part of this life, there's the corruption, there's the, the diseases, there's those types of things that are part of this world, the devourers. And Malachi chapter 3, it talks about the tithe, how that uh, the Israelites there had been robbing God. And it's interesting, as you come to Malachi, I've been reading this week, I read a book uh, yesterday on, uh, on encouragement to pastors, and he was using... Um, uh, um, uh, the book of, uh, who built the walls? Uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. And uh, in there, it says that they, they willingly gave of their tithes. Well, it wasn't much longer later that uh, some of the prophets had to write again and re-energize the Israelites because they had forgotten that most important principle of putting God first in our finances. And so he writes in Malachi chapter 3, uh, we've robbed him in our tithes and our offerings and he says, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of, of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. Do we believe that? Have you ever had the windows of heaven opened unto you? And by the way, that's not necessarily driving around a Corvette or a Cadillac or something else. It's contentment in your soul that is of greater value than anything that this world can afford I hope we'll remember that as we think about these principles and everything. Some people say, well, I'll give to get rich. No, 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 no. We give and do what God wants us to do because he's God and he's the author of our life and he has given everything to us and everything belongs to him. Our time, our talent, and our treasures. Amen? We own nothing. And by the way, when we don't own anything and it all belongs to God, it's a lot easier to deal with worry in that capacity. It really is. And then he says in verse 11 of Malachi 3, he says, and I'll hold back the devourers. I'll hold back the devourers. I like that. 
Things can last longer. God can take care of those things. God can give you wisdom and even how to fix things. Have you ever gone to fix something? You say, man, I have no idea how to fix it. But God just gives you the ability to fix it. Or to call up somebody who knows how to fix it and have them come over and fix it. That's not a bad idea either, is it? God uh, allows us to be a part of, of our uh, family together to help one another. Praise the Lord of that. So moths, mice, and mud diggers. This morning, let's see if it comes up. There it is. The Bird Watchers Society. You say, Pastor, have you lost it? You have no idea. <laughs> the Bird Watchers Society. Now, I give this title. Hopefully, we'll remember at least that. This morning, I got a, an inspiration with uh, Brother Turner teaching Sunday school. And I was sitting there and I says, maybe we should call ourselves the Bird Brain Society. In the first service, I asked, I said, now, I, I didn't know where that terminology came from, bird brain. Uh, today, it has come to be known as being stupid, right? However, the real understanding of a bird brain is that in proportion to the size of the bird, his brain is bigger than that of a human. And after I read these scriptures this morning, you get to understand the birds get it and much of society doesn't. Father, I pray that you help us now as we get into the scriptures. Lord, open our minds to understand. Lord, help us to get it. Help us to get it. Help us to get it. For Lord, I'm afraid that many of us struggle with worry and anxiety and struggles like that. And there are good things that we can do from this passage to help us in this process. So help us in this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at the curse of worry, the cause of worry, and the cure for worry. Now, how many of you have ever worried before? Can I see your hands? How many of you have ever lied before? How many didn't raise their hand and just lied? Right. I don't want you to put out too much energy this morning. Oh, my soul. Would you not agree that it would be wonderful to find a cure for worry? Now, here's something that's in the Sermon on the Mount written 2,000 years ago that is so applicable for us today. Now, we've jumped from the Beatitudes to this portion, and we'll go back to, uh, and catch more of the Sermon on the Mount, but we've come here for Stewardship Month, and I can say that I am an expert on worry, all right? I'm not always an expert on the cure, but I see and sense in my own self, don't you know that I've worried more than once about this building project? I've worried more than once about certain aspects of my life. And it troubles me because, as I understand, it is a great sin. And the longer I'm saved, the more I realize what a great sin it is because it is not trusting in God. So may God help us. And as we go into this study now here this morning, the curse and uh, uh, of worry is your cares. It is your cares. 
Now, as I read this, I wonder, what say ye? What is it talking about here? What is the, what is the reason for worry? What is causing this? Well, let's begin reading, reading in verse 25 of Matthew 6. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, what you, what, uh, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the bird brains of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow and they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye... Of little faith. Therefore. Take. No. Thought. Saying what shall we eat. Or what shall we drink. Or wherewithal shall we be clothed. For after all those things. The Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth. That ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first. The kingdom of. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, I have a Schofield Bible, and I like the Schofield Bible. I won it, Ernie, at a contest of bringing people to church in a revival service. The evangelist gave out those uh, to a couple. And I was dating a girl at that time, not my wife, but dating, and she got one and I got one. And uh, I learned how to study it. And the Schofield Bible is nothing special in and of itself. So don't get me wrong. The Bible is special. Amen to that. But I got to understand that it's on this side of the page. And so I could find things. And I've tried over the years to change uh, to different Bibles and everything. But, you know, I got so used that it's on this side of the page or it's in this part of the book and that type of stuff uh, that uh, it's been hard for me to change. But I like what Schofield says here in this note. Not always do I like all of his notes, and usually I don't read his notes, but I like where he puts stuff in there. He says, the cure for anxiety, trust in the Father's care. So as we look at this passage, 
If you were to write down or if you were to say, you know what, I need to remember where this passage is. Part of the Sermon on the Mount. In Jesus' 15-minute message, He gives to us that transcends time and how to deal with worry. Found here in verses 25 through 34. So what say ye? What causes worry? What would you say? Lack of trust. Lack of faith. Lack of knowing God. Right? All right. And all of the above. All right, so now as we get in this, you'll notice that he says, take no thought. He says that three times, and he gives it after a therefore. And like we've talked about before, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask, why is it therefore? And oftentimes it means go back and read the previous paragraph. Now understand that the Bible was written, it was epistles or letters. To either a group of people or it was uh, uh, a uh, 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 to individuals. And so we read about the epistles. Now, Matthew is a gospel. It was written to the Jewish pe- uh, people. Uh, and therefore, uh, when he's making this, uh, he uh, is writing to them. There wasn't chapters. There wasn't the 66 books of the Bible. There wasn't even punctuation in the Greek language. In the Hebrew language, there wasn't even vowels. Can you imagine reading a language that has no vowels? Well, here, if that therefore is there, he says, go back and reread the previous chapter. And so the Bible was given in paragraphs. And so if you were to reread the paragraph before, it is verse 19 through 24, which we talked about last week. And so he says, now, if you understand, don't lay up your treasures here. I'm going to tell you something. If you lay up your treasures here, you're going to have the moths, the mice, and the mud diggers. And you're going to worry about your things. You get it? That's one aspect of the therefore. The second aspect of the therefore is you'll understand that he says to be single-eyed. You see that single vision. He says, if you have a single vision, in other words, your eyes are on the on the Lord and on the heavenlies rather than here, it will be a cure for your worry. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, uh, 3, which is my life's verse, uh, it says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And so understand that if I have worry, that that is an indicator. Listen to me. That is an indicator that your treasures are here and that you're not single focused. If you're driving down the highway and you got all those gauges, Brother Jose, on the dashboard, and all of a sudden the check engine light comes on, what should you do? Keep on driving. If the oil pressure gauge hitting there and all of a sudden it drops completely off, do you keep on driving? If the hot light and the temperature thing just starts going up and up and up, do you keep on driving? You look at those indicators and if we have any sense, we allow them to show us 
there is a problem in Houston. And we need to take care of it. So if I say that I have worry or anxieties, and by the way, do not dignify the word worry uh, with uh, words that are more palatable. Words such as, well, I'm burdened. Well, I'm being stressed out. You know, almost today when we say, man, I'm under a lot of stress, we wear it as a medal, don't we? As I'm so busy, I'm so important, I'm stressed out. If I'm stressed out, then there's a problem. It's not a medal to be worn or a badge of honor. It is an indicator. And there are many people who have quit the ministry, pastors, There are many uh, church members who have quit their ministry because they get stressed out. And I want to encourage you. Here is some truths that will help us in our lives. It's it's a concept of our thinking. It's a a concept of of, uh, uh, which is so contrary to man's philosophy. It is the view of God that you have and your faith and trust and how you calculate and how you respond to the difficulties of life. And I dare say that the average Christian is not being prepared for the anxieties and the struggles of life. We might uh, also say, well, I'm concerned or I'm anxious. And I've used these these dignified words and I need to come. And as God spoke to my heart in preparation for this is not to uh, to allow these things to take me in the wrong direction. So when it says, take no thought, the word there means to be drawn in different directions or the idea to be pulled apart, to be pulled apart. Now, I want to take you to a verse in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. You can see it on the screen there, verses 38 to 42. And probably many of you are familiar with this story. It says, it came to pass as they went, that's the disciples, the apostles, that he, the Lord, entered into a certain village, Bethany, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. We're going to have guests over for dinner. Now, most of you men will not get this passage, all right? But don't zone out on me. Most of you women will get this passage. If you're having people over to your house... Do you get a little concerned about what they think about your house? Whether they'll like the food? Is my house clean enough? How many, I mean, I don't want to show a raise of hands, but that's kind of a normal thing with a woman, isn't it? My wife, she goes through all this, and I'm thinking, what's the big deal? We have food to eat and everything, but to a woman, this is, this is important. Now, Martha is having the Lord Jesus Christ over But not only the Lord Jesus Christ, but how many were traveling with the Lord? You see, this isn't dinner just for one, uh, um, Esther. There's 12 apostles coming as well. If you ladies had 12 people come into your house, would you get stressed out? By the way, that's some of the reason why people don't minister to others. That's why people don't minister to others. So let's go on. 
And she had a sister called Mary. And also, they, and, and she sat at Jesus' feet. You know the story? How many know, heard this story before? All right. Uh, and, and, and heard his word. Okay, so here's the picture. Here's Mary worshiping at Jesus' feet. Here's Martha running around, get the house clean, get the dishes done. And by the way, it was tough shopping back then, gathering water, cleaning the dirt floor. I don't know how you clean the dirt floor. Maybe that was a blessing back then. Some of our conveniences have made it worse for us today. And, and then in verse, uh, 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 let's see, where are we? Here we go. Here we go. Uh, there you go. And Martha was cumbered. Don't you like that word, cumbered? It's kind of a word we don't use. But can you all relate with cumbered? It means, listen to this, it means distracted. She's running from one one job to the next, and she's running around. It means being pulled apart. It means over-occupied. She's more concerned about the clean house and preparing the food than she is about her guest. And really, in reality, uh, this can cause such struggles in our soul. And she's pulled apart, apart with much serving. Now, the word serving there is not the word doulos, which is not a bond slave. Sometimes our wives might feel like a bond slave. But this word comes from the word which we get our word deacon. She is ministry. And folks, I have seen so many people get caught up in the ministry that they learn how they, they forget how to minister. So she's so caught up in everything with this serving, and it came to and she came to the Lord and she says, Dost thou not care that my sister, she's left me here to serve all alone? Bid her. Therefore, that she come and help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her. I like this. Martha, Martha. Those words are kind of calming in themselves. You ever had Gregory? Gregory. You just don't get it. Have you ever had God use your name twice? <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know what my mom did when I was in trouble? She would use the word, Gregory Allen? I knew I was in trouble. But the Lord doesn't do that. He says, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful. That word is the same root word. Take no thought. Don't worry. Don't become anxious. Don't get stressed out. Don't get pulled apart. And you're troubled. The word trouble is the idea of turbulence that's going on in Martha. Where's all this taking place? Where's this battle taking place? Right here in her mind. It's not that she is physically tired, and sometimes we have worked to the place of exhaustion. And by the way, the Lord tells us to work to the place of exhaustion. But she's not exhausted physically. Well, maybe she could be. The battle is going on in the mind. The Marines have this statement, and they'll say in boot camp, your mind will give up before your body does. And so here he tells her, uh, he says, thou art troubled 
in many things. But in verse 42, but one thing is needful. And listen, folks, this is so important for us. Mary has chosen the good part. In other words, to worship God. Don't leave worship out of your service. People come to church and, boy, I tell you what, we have to get here and we have to get things ready and get things accomplished and things like that. And we can be running back and forth and pastors can be guilty of this. And we don't come and find calmness in our soul. You know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. You know, my friends, I don't want you to get burned out in your ministry or in your home. And I don't want you to fail in serving the Lord and what He wants you to do because you're troubled or tormented in your mind. And so the solution here is to worship the Lord. And to worship the Lord is to understand who He is. And there is a part of the solution. Let me give you one more thought here. Do you know another reason why sometimes uh, women will not entertain people or... Uh, give of certain things, or maybe even us, as, as uh, it could be our giving at church, it could be given to our neighbors, it could be whatever it might be, is because we don't think there's enough to go around. You know what God asks us to do, He will provide. Yes or no? Absolutely. I like the last verse on our vision banquet in the back of the program there. It was First Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. Is that a true statement? It's a true statement. But here, uh, you know, oftentimes we make our decisions about how much provisions we're going to have. Seek not ye what ye shall eat <laughs> and what ye shall drink. My, my wife will say, well, what do you think we should have for dessert? Or what should we? Honey, I have no clue. Whatever you fix will be great. Let's enjoy it. Ladies, can I encourage you not to get stressed out when you have people over to your house? It's a good thing to be hospitable to other people. He says, but uh, don't, don't seek those things. Neither be of a doubtful mind. The word doubtful is the idea of a ship in the middle of a storm. You remember when Jesus calmed the sea, the storms that come in our, our, our lives. So the curse is your eyes is on your cares rather than on the Lord. So I ask you, does worry change anything? All it does is bankrupt our future, mortgage our lives. He says in verse 27, he says, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature? The idea there is can you add one more a day to your life by worry. And in fact, you know, they say that stress and worry is probably one of the biggest killers of people. Is that it causes your immune systems to go down and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, heart attacks and all those kinds of things like that. That's a part of worry. And they say, you know, to, to, to relieve some of the stresses of your life. So the bottom line, this message not only helps you in your mind, but it helps you physically. And the Lord says that. He says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So we remember that as well. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. 
I like that verse. It's one of the Psalms of the Psalms of Ascent there in uh, those 15 Psalms there in that portion of Scriptures. Well, let's get into the cure then. So we know what the cause is. The cause, worry, is having our eyes on our things, having our eyes upon uh, all the stuff around us rather than being a single focus. So the cure is not on our cares, but our, the cure is that He cares for us. He cares for us. Now, to get this cure, you need to understand that there's a problem. And if you don't understand that there's a problem, we get so used to some of our problems that we think it's a part of our lives. I believe that as you get a little closer to the Lord, you begin to discover these situations that need to be resolved in your life. And so he gives us a cure by examining creation. You know, you've heard the, the phrase, stop and smell the roses. I encourage you to go out and to look at God's creation and understand that it has been a design there. And he tells these people in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, go out and behold the fowls there of the air. Look at them. Understand. Be a bird watcher. He also uses the example of a horticulturist. He talks about food and and fashion. Here he says the birds are fed. He doesn't mean that they feast, but they are fed. I thank the Lord, the Purringtons, or not the Purringtons, the um, Penningtons. uh, No, not the Penningtons. um, uh, Eva and uh, Bob Pennock, there you go, uh, gave us a birdhouse. And they told us how to have uh, this bird feeder and where to put it and everything. And since we've put that out there, we've been able to watch birds. Uh, They're coming around our place. Uh, We find that they're hungry and they come and they they gather. They come down and they take one grain at a time. And they just come in there. Now, there's a couple things about watching birds. Are they irresponsible for gathering their goods? They are not irresponsible for gathering their goods. The goods are provided by someone who's kind enough to put out the bird food. But they are responsible for going getting it. I've never had a bird sit on the fence and say, come, bring it to me. Okay. I do see, though, that there is a caution that these birds have. You know what they're cautious about? The cat. The cat. And I see them sitting on the fence and they're doing this. And then they fly off and get it. They're looking for the cat. Now, doesn't the Bible tell us to be watchful because you have an adversary? He's called Satan and he stalks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You need to be cautious. Cautious and careful in, in, in that capacity is different than worrying and anxiety because you have a heavenly father, you have a creator who's taking care of you. Then the horticulturist. <sighs> By the way, when you consider this, the birds get it. Oftentimes we don't get it. 
the flower. The, and what flower does he talk about here? The lily. Do you know, my wife told we have several lilies planted around our, our places. Uh, and, and we have some that are called day lilies. They come and they open up during the day and then they close up at night. We have other lilies that come up. Do you know what the average uh, span of the flower of a lily is? Well, some of them can be small like that. Some of them could be up to 10 days. And what he is saying here, he says, you think about this. Here is this, this beautiful, intricate design of God that he has created for us to enjoy. And it might only last 10 days. He says, how much more valuable are you? He says, in everything that Solomon did, he could not come to hold a candle, even though his buildings were considered some of the ancient wonders of the world when God created the lily. And he says, go look at that lily and ponder that lily. Interesting about a lily. Well, how does a, a lily come up in the, in, uh, from, what does it come up from? A bulb. That to me is interesting because in the wintertime, the top dies off, but the bulb is still there and it comes back alive and it comes out for our enjoyment year after year. So the cure is in examining creation and then to examine the creator. There are several words that are used here in this portion of scriptures that tells us to examine the creator. Be still and know that I am God. It's interesting. The word be still means to take it easy. (laughs) I'm God. I'm in control. Notice in verse 26, he likens it to not only is he the creator, but he is your heavenly father. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, he becomes your father. And the father loves you. Here in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we Familiar passage. We know all things work together for the good to them that love God and them that are called according to His purpose. Verse 32 says, And He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? God loves us. Don't let this world try to convince you otherwise or your flesh or Satan convince you otherwise. God values you. He talks about that sparrow and he talks about that flower. He says, aren't you much better than they? If God takes care of this little bird. Is he not big enough to take care of you? I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. Because oftentimes I accuse God of things that he ought not to be accused of. Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall onto the ground without your father knowing it? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. You know, because our society is becoming more of a godless society, what we see from that is, is the value of life. And we see the terrorist attacks taking place in Paris and all over the world. We see babies being aborted. And we also see this self-esteem movement coming on because people are trying to find some value. 
Can I say you just go to God's word and you find out that God values you. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross so that you could spend eternity with him. God values you. Don't you let this world tell you otherwise. Don't let Satan accuse you otherwise. God values you. Verse 26, you see it there. And then God knows, doesn't he? God knows what you have need of even before you ask. The Bible tells us uh, that God knows. Verse 30, uh, 32, he, and these verses up on the screen. Verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God knows. God cares. And so by faith, we need to trust in the Lord. What is it we sang at the last song we sang at our vision banquet? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You know what? We put our happiness in our things. We worry about our things because we don't have a single vision. Our treasures are here. How many of you are guilty of that? We all are. We all are. I hope you understand that. May God help us. Trust God. Faith. He says, O ye, verse 30, of little faith. Trust God loves you. Trust God values. Trust in God's power. Trust in God's provision. Trust in that God knows. This is a familiar verse around here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Boy, is that hard to do, isn't it, Larry? Ah, and for us all a personality people. Trust in the Lord. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Whatever path He lays before us, and I'm afraid that many Christians are not prepared for the path that lies ahead. You've got to come to a place where you trust the Lord. You know, if the Bible says, I think it's in Ecclesiastes, if footmen tire, what will horses do? Is that, maybe it's Isaiah, or Jeremiah. If footmen tire, what would horses do? Y'all know that passage? David, you ever heard that passage before? If footmen tire, what will horses do? You know something? If we are wearing out in what's taking place, what's going to happen when real battles come? I'm telling you, my friends, if the Lord tarries, the Bible tells us what lies ahead. Trust in the Lord. Lean not. And then not only is he our father, that's a cure for worry. Get a hold of that. Make him your father. Listen, by the way, if he's not your father, if he's not your savior, you have plenty to worry about. I can speak confidently that I'm going to heaven because of what I believe. God says in his word is true. I have faith. I have absolute assurance. I am going to heaven when I die. First John five thirteen says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have everlasting life. I can have absolute confidence that I'm going to heaven. And let me tell you something. I can have absolute confidence that my God is in control of our lives. As we talk about this coming up year, forward by faith, Will you remember what you've heard today? Forward by faith. And then first, do you notice that?
And that goes back to that single-eyed principle, that single-eyed principle. Instead of seeking how we're going to respond, how we're going to solve these things, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Praise God. Praise God. He says in verse 32, He says, Stop acting like the heathen. He calls, whenever he uses that word Gentile, you can imagine he's writing to the Jews, that idea of being that Gentiles, they seek after, that's the way the heathens do it. They seek after the provisions of this life. They're all about this life rather than trusting in the Lord. Stop acting like the heathens and worry. Seek ye first. Be single-minded. Put him first in our calculations. Seek him first in the solving of those things that are taking place. And it's interesting how he ends this chapter. He says, therefore, and you ought to go back and look at the three therefores that are here and read what's just previously written. He says, but seek, uh, he says, take therefore no thought. If you're going to seek God first, then he says, don't put your anxiety here for, for even tomorrow. He's not talking about tomorrow or and putting your thoughts on, well, what are we going to have? And you can imagine they didn't have refrigeration or things like that. He says, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. You know, most of us today can't even imagine a life without a cell phone. We worry, well, what happens if we have a power failure? What happens if my computer doesn't operate? Can you imagine back then they didn't have refrigeration? I remember when I went to Africa and went out to a meeting, a Bible uh, conference out in the bush uh, and driving there on roads that uh, weren't drivable, but we made it through. And people tracking days through the the, uh, jungle to get there. You know what they do? They would pick up, they would chop down a um, 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 sugar cane, a sugar cane. And they'd take that and they'd suck on it and chew on it until they got to the meeting. You imagine the life of survival over there in Africa. And you, have you heard what's going on in Kenya and uh, these other places right now? They've got some places that's great floods and other places there's great famine where they're talking about hundreds of thousands of people starving to death. All the things that are going on in our world. He says, take no thought. You know, the, the media and the news gets you to worry. Have you ever noticed that? For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He's not saying that you're going to have a cakewalk in life. But put your eyes on God and trust in Him. Father, I pray that you'll help us Father, to see the indicators. Help us. Father, help me. Help this preacher. Lord, I, I, see, I, I see that we've made such a habit of worry that it becomes to the forefront of our eyes and our thinking processes and we torment our minds. We're not content with what we have. We seek after more conveniences and more comforts in life rather than pursuing you. So, Lord, help us. Now, it's, some might hear to say, say, you know, I don't want this. I, I want my own pleasures. I want my own things. Well, Lord, with that comes so many struggles. 
If we can come and let go of the things of this world and put our treasures in heaven, Lord, I pray that somehow, someway, the Holy Spirit would just grab our attention. Well, I, I, I remember the last time I prayed that. Oh, my. But yet I don't regret what you did and how you did it. For all of us, Lord, to depend on you, to trust in you, to have the joy of serving you without the stresses of our anxieties and uh, the weights and the distractions and the pulling apart and all those things. What a blessing it is. Lord, help us to just gain ownership of this. Lord, if a wise person will hear it and will understand, a simple person will hear what he's, we've heard, but will have to go through some struggles. A fool will not change even though he goes through the worrying process over and over again. So help us to be wise, Lord. Help us to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Help us to be mindful of what's here. And I'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In our invitation this morning, we're going to go back one verse there. You know, the night before Jesus was to leave his disciples, you can imagine they've been with him for three days years. He's going to die the next day. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Our faith in the Lord in God. Forward by faith is our theme for 2016. Forward by faith. And you know something? You can have faith in God to take you to heaven, you can go to bank on that. Amen. Because God says it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're not saved today, you've got plenty to worry about. But why don't you turn to the Lord and accept Him as your Savior? Number two, let your worry be an indicator that there's problems and your trust is not where it needs to be nor are your treasures where they need to be. I'm marking it down. And let me just say this. If we don't take home this message, we'll not change our lives. This message has power. It's not the preacher. It's the Word of God that has the power to change our lives. Starting with the preacher and every one of us. So why not in this invitation as we sing day by day that God will... uh, Open our understanding. I believe the writer of this song understood. We pay attention as we sing it. Let's stand together. If there are decisions to be made, make them now. those tinges of worry you know oftentimes when I deliver a message God challenges my heart preacher do you really believe what you just said and there for a moment as I'm preaching away brother Mike I'm thinking 
man, I wonder if God's going to test me. And all of a sudden, I worry about the testing. You see what I'm getting at? Trust the Lord. He's our Father. He wants us to live by faith. And He wants us to seek Him first, to be single-eyed. He knows what's best for us. When I asked Him, I said, Lord, it sure be great when I come to that place where I trust You more like I used to. Six months later, I lost $105,000. And God reminded me of my prayer. You know what, Brother Jerry? I said, thank you, Lord. Because it's so much better to trust in Him than to trust in our riches. And I got to see God miraculously take care of a debt like that. May God help us. He's King. He's the Creator. Well, if there are any other concerns that you have, I pray you'll take this home. Put some verse before you. Maybe put something out there to remind us. Because what happens? We just start going our merry way again, tripping over our own two feet. May God help us. Uh, Closing announcements as you read them in your bulletin. There are several things that are taking place. There's the Peru mission trip. Uh, You read that information. They're going to be meeting tonight. There's the Faith Bible Institute. Uh, Enrollments takes place there and signing up for that. Uh, New members, uh, today you need to get your uh, international fitness in. And then the Operation Christmas Child, they're going to be packing it on Friday. And volunteers, work day, Saturday, 9 a.m. And then the Golden Chosen have their activity. Uh, Don't forget the work day, though, all right? We're going to be out there at 9 o'clock. We only do this about once a month. And if it's raining out, we'll work inside. Is that okay?